RLC founder Dave Evans spends time with partners, clients, and friends in the USA talking about all things business. If you are an inspiring business owner, an entrepreneur, a CEO, or a coach who wants real advice about what to do in business today and wants to hear frank conversations, then this is the show for you. Real life consultations, challenges, and ideas from all around the world. We hope you enjoy this episode of Consultivation. Thumbs up. Okay. Oh, we got a thumbs up. Well, hello, everybody. Um, uh, and good day to you all in whatever time zone you're at. Um, I think we straddle quite a bit from LA to Scotland uh, in this in this uh, um, esteemed group that we've got. And who have we got? Well, we've got... Um, a regular attendee, Eric Swick, um, a renowned, a renowned mm. business coach um, and strategist with his own um, consulting business. Welcome to you, Eric. Thank you, Kevin. Good to be uh, here. We've also got um, Kurt Rickoff, who's the owner of Rickoff Business in Balance, which I think is a great name for a business, actually, because it says so many things. Uh, so welcome to you, Kurt. Thank you. It's great to be um, here. It's and finally, um, the one and only Dave Evans, the um, the owner, the chief mischief maker of Real Leadership Coaching. Um, great to see you here, Dave. I like that definition, Kevin. Thank you. <laughs> yeah, I like and, that. And, and so what we're going to talk about today, <clears throat> and, and this is very important to me, um, uh, we're going to talk about the language of leadership. And I'm not just talking about language in a verbal sense. Uh, because I think language is, is about what people say, uh, but it's also about what they do. So there's a physical dimension to the language of leadership, as well as a mental um, side to the language of leadership. But let me ask you guys a question first. And that is, young people learn from their leaders. Why is that a problem? I, I think I think it's the leaders of today. Uh, are not prioritizing enough on the shadow example they're setting it depending on what they're leading in and, and i immediately go to politicians people running countries and you look up you look up at it kevin and you go oh dear you're not going brilliant i mean there's a massive massive gap of vacuum of people looking at their language in leadership and realizing the impact they're having. Right, I agree with that. Yeah. You know, I think there's a change in leadership. I think not only because of what happened in 2020 with the pandemic, but I just think it's been boiling up for several years. You know, it used to be in business that leadership was on a uh, militaristic type of hierarchical, follow what they tell you to do and do as they, they tell you to do. They don't always practice what they preach, of course. And I think it's shifting. I think it's shifting where people want to be more in a collaborative type of environment. They want to be inspired. They want to have some direction set for them. And if a leader's not doing those kinds of things, I don't think they're going to be um, relevant in the workplace in today. And so to your question about young people following leaders. I think it depends. It depends on that leader and whether they grasp this new focus on leadership and where it's headed. I would I would basically think there's multiple reasons. 
one one is just like Eric said that the the mindset the the thought process is totally different today from the young people. Uh, so the old like militaristic is is a great definition of style of leadership, especially in the business world. You know, I think back when my parents started this this business forty seven years ago. You know, somebody got a job. He said, "Hey, you know, here's your desk. Payday's Friday, and everything was grand." Um, now that's completely different. So that's the problem. <laughs> One problem is, you know, it's more about connecting and things like that. So that's one problem. The other problem is maybe more the cynic in me that uh, the, the 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 leadership deficit. There, there is a, such a lack of leaders. So so-called leaders do not make decisions anymore. And I'm again very cynical about looking at our own government here in the United States. They don't make decisions. They just they react. They, they, whatever's happening today, they react. So they don't make deci- informed decisions. Sit back, educate themselves, and lead. They just react to what's going on today, and, and use a knee-jerk reaction. Yeah, I, I, I agree with that. And I, I think there's an interesting role model situation here, where you know most most big sports stars understand that they are a model for a younger generation in the way that, that they behave, with some exceptions, of course. Uh, but just in general, but then if you look at politicians, they 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 don't put any credibility into that. Um, you know, I, I, as you as you say that you know that the, the, the politicians do not very much in, and, and they are supposed to represent a country. Mm-hmm. Uh, Agreed. That's where my, my my issue with uh, with this is that, that young people going into business, and you know, I, I look back. I joined Ford Motor Company in 1977 as a graduate trainee. You weren't given any tools to understand what leadership should be, and even at even at that tender age of twenty-one or whatever it was when I joined, I should have been I should have been thinking about my own leadership style. You know what what does leadership mean to me? Because I'm leading small teams, I'm leading projects, I'm yeah. doing stuff like that, and actually I'm just learning on the job. And that's a very imperfect situation. I don't know what you think about that, guys. No, that's a great point, Kevin, because I think back, I started my career same way as you in a management training program, and they just throw you in. And they wanted you to learn the tasks, the technical side of the job, but there was no direction. What I ended up doing is I just observed other leaders, and I would say, I like that. That meets with my kind of core values, so I agree with that. That's how I want I'm going to take something from that leader. But I had poor leaders that I said, I don't want to be like them. I had one guy that I worked for. Um, and what I really didn't like about his style of leadership is that he liked to force his religious beliefs on people and question your values and, and things like that. And it's like, I will never be like that. So I would always look for the good and bad, but there was no structure to your point. No one was teaching us how to be good leaders. It was it was up to you to figure out what was good and what was bad, and you know I, I guess I survived because I picked the good points and not the bad ones. Well, I think that's what it is, isn't it? I mean, you were smart enough and you were um, able to disseminate what was good and bad. How many people didn't? So that bad leader that you had, they thought it was perfectly okay to push in your case, example religious beliefs on somebody or whatever. Yeah. So, and how often that happens. So, so you're right. And that's, that's one reason it's so different today. You, the need for, for 
the training, I guess, instead of just saying, here, watch and observe and, and, and learn on your own. Yeah. Be more intentional. I think that I, intentional I, I, is, is a word yeah. that gets thrown around, but it's so true. I you know, intentional more. leadership training, you know, um, is so important rather than just, well, you watch me. You have to watch and observe too, but but it has to be more intentional, direct. I think, Dave, this falls under your uh, general hypothesis that there's a there's, there's a huge deficit of leadership, not just at the very top, but through through the organization. Um, and what can we do about that? Well, I think we have to recognize, Kevin, that our language directly gives an insight to your internal world of what you actually think. And you know the bit that we we miss often, right? Is we we miss the people and I say I'm gonna I'm gonna generalize. So I'm, I'm describing my language, right? I'm gonna generalize some people are gifted at picking up insights when you don't even know you've given them. Mm -hmm. And you'll find them, you know, almost doing this when they talk to you because they don't believe you. And your language is going to reveal to people, friends, relationships, family, work colleagues, communities, what your leadership's actually like. And if you don't think about it, so let's say it's not part of what you think about on a day-to-day -day basis, you're giving those insights anyway, right? And some people in your business teams will clock onto it and go, hold on a minute, this person says that, and does that now answer to your question directly in the world of sales we would never tolerate this yeah would we marketing we'd never tolerate this <clears throat> it's interesting isn't it yeah yeah um i, I think that's a that, that's a great point and and I, and I and i think every organization struggles with this yeah. Um, you, you know, and, and bo baby boomers in particular have this belief that you just throw people in a, in the deep end and they sink or swim. And I, and I and I think that's a fallacy. I don't think that's there's no room for that nowadays. And, and I don't think millennials and Gen Xs will stand for that because you know they believe in causes. They want to believe in things. They want to believe in the leadership. They want to believe in the company. They want to believe they're going to be developed. Um, uh, individually, um, so I, I, I think this kind of highlights a, a bigger crevasse in the in the lack of leadership, a bigger fra fracturing that none of us have really come to grips with. Um, so that, that that's a really interesting point. Let me. I, I, I don't want to get to verbal um, language quite yet because that's the easy part of this discussion. I want to talk about non-verbal. Um, when I'm coaching my clients, I often talk about, you know, well, are you conscious of the shadow that you cast in the organization? What do you think that means? Oh, I, yeah. I, I think it's the body language. But I don't mean this, Dave. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, I do think there's a lot of nonverbal behavior that leaders can demonstrate that can be both negative and positive, but... I, I actually have worked with people like that. And, um, it, you know, there was a study that I, we've talked about before that was done where most communication isn't done by verbal language. The majority of it is by visual and, and what people see. 
And, you know, so that's why it's so important. Um, so I think that's, you know, I've seen people where, you know, they'll flick their hair back or they'll, you know, sit down and, and, you know, look like they're not interested in the conversation. And you have to be aware of those nonverbal, non, uh, you know, more physical type of uh, activities. Yeah. There's some for us. Yeah, I was I was attempting there, Eric, to to, <laughs> to pick my hair. It didn't work. I, I think I think though, right? You said something really important, and that is people are stimulated by what they see. So, if you are displaying unintentional messaging, then the answer isn't just change your face. You know. Uh, you know, years ago, Kevin, I walked into a phones for you store with a with the CEO Nick, and I met this chap who was six foot six, lovely guy. And I asked him, "Do you like working here?" And he said, "I really love it." <laughs> and I said, "We thought about telling your face." <laughs> <laughs> and it's, it is good comedy and I actually did say that to him and he started laughing which allowed me to immediately say next now that is much better yeah and do you know what was interesting when he was stood there um, stone faced nobody was coming in there's an example Kevin of non-verbal communication yeah. customers would walk past pre-select will i go in there or not based on what they saw and the people they saw standing there yeah. you know <laughs> a non-verbal turn-off absolutely. absolutely it does bring the in, in into the conversation the whole idea of having fun at work yeah. you know everyone thinks that business is is very serious and and people put a kind of serious glum face on but actually the best places i've ever worked are the ones where i've had fun you know we've enjoyed it and probably i'm pretty sure our productivity was much higher than the glums i don't know what you guys think about that no absolutely. i agree it's not yeah not even close i mean you you know one of our values here at the firm is, is enthusiasm I, I, stressed we have a new hire yesterday going through that and and yes i expect and need need everyone to show up to work enthusiastic and ready to go so that way in the same context of fun you got to be you know uh you can't just mope in and, and and drag yourself in and you know we all have rough days but but you have to be ready to go and then and, and shift yourself you know from that pad because you, you you're not the only one if you bring it in you, you become that mood hoover and you suck the air right out of an office <laughs> it takes one person that could, could ruin it for everybody you know i mean it's there's a million sayings one bad apple out the etc etc but it's true you know and so that one if you're not having fun and it has to start you know again it, at the leadership level so if the leader's walking around with, with a glum face or not yeah. smiling and just saying, good job. Great way to go. I mean, you know, cause they were told, Hey, be positive, positive, positive leadership. Good job. Yeah. You know, Kurt, last week, right. I was speaking to a friend of ours and all of us know them. And they said it was one of those days at the office where everyone was on one. And it didn't matter who it was or what it was about. Everybody was moaning about something. And I said, well, all I want to ask you is, did you notice who started this pattern? Hmm. And there yeah. wasn't an answer. They didn't, they didn't want to look in the mirror. And that's not because they're not very really good at what they do. These are really good, clever 
sophisticated business owners. And so this is not about whether you're rubbish, is it, Kevin? You will have days when it just goes, but somebody lit the match. And the gift of leadership is to notice where's the pattern. Right, right. Um, yeah, no, totally, totally. If you're um, able to, I think one great... Yeah. Um, uh, not, I don't want to say fix solution sometimes, and and I I, I have tried this. It's been, been a while when somebody is in that that mood or brings it to a meeting, you, you call them out by saying, "Okay, I'll, I'll give you X number of minutes," and we get past this. If you can agree, I'll give you this many minutes, but after that, we're done complaining. Now we're going to move it, you know, and, right. and it really sometimes it's a mind shift that just pattern it disrupts what they're thinking, and they're like, "Oh yeah, I am just kind of moaning and groaning, ain't I?" Well, actually, Kurt, I'm glad you said that because um, I think it's easy to spot these things, the glumness, but it's quite difficult to do something about it. Very, you know, to, to, yeah. to, to provide effective leadership to say, you know, let's do something different. You know, it's easy to say, "I want you to be enthusiastic." But what does that mean? Well, yeah. I think great, I, great point. Yeah, I think it starts, Kevin, with that first leadership principle that we talk about at RLC, is that you have to demonstrate the behavior that you want. You know, so yeah. if you want people to be positive, and that's got to be your mindset, that everything you you talk about, everything that you bring to the table, is always from a positive point of view. Uh, right. another, another, another Kevin, another blast from the past. I remember once closing a retail store shutter that was in my care. And I closed it and I got into trouble. And they said, why did you pull the shutter down? At, I think it was like 12.58, lunchtime, rush hour. I said, because I wasn't prepared for the store to go careering, if that's the right word, into language, Kevin, into this next busy period with everybody in the wrong frame of mind. So I said, I'd rather lose a bit of business and deliver a poor performance over having an experience that I couldn't repair. And for, for six or seven minutes, the shot has stayed down. We ended up with a big queue and we just said, right, when this reopens, and I, I decided at the time, I'm joining you, which I'm sure they were terrified about, and my inability to process any of the systems, Kurt, right? Um, <laughs> and just causing more chaos than good intention. But in that moment in time, it, I was directly determined, we got to reset the stage. And it meant it ha you had to have a physical interruption to change the theater. And I think sometimes we forget, Kevin, your point in check entirely, that if you keep doing what you were always doing during that moment, the result doesn't alter. So you've got to pattern interrupt it somehow. I think I think that's right. I, I, I once um, I was CEO of a company that was big into gift cards and gift vouchers, yep. and and this was in the UK, so we had an expiry date on them because that was that was legal. Um, and I remember listening to a conversation one of my customer service people was having with a customer, and she was saying, "No, the rules are the rules. It's expired, and you can't have your money back." Yeah. And I was kind of going, well, hold on a second, rules are the rules, but is this the right way to be doing this? And yeah. so we changed our policy, and, and my, my staff hated arguing with client, with customers. We changed our policy that said, if somebody rings in that the gift card has expired, we will extend it automatically. So people would ring in for an argument 
you know, thinking that, they, you know, they're going to, right, right, I'm going to talk to these people and, uh, and, and tell them, you know, tell them what I think of them. And we would say, we completely understand, things get forgotten, we'll extend it for a year, and if you don't use it in the year, we'll extend it for another year, just give us a call. <laughs> and you could hear the kind of relief on the other side of the phone, where people saying, well, that's fantastic. And those people became brand ambassadors for us. Um, but it, it was it was a, it was a kind of it was a listening thing, yeah. um, you know, which is which is part of language. I was listening to conversations, thinking and thinking that's not right. We've got to do something about it. We should not be alienating our customers. We should be getting them on our side. And that's a bit like your story, Dave, about the the, the, the shop. You know, you don't want to alienate people by having you know um, grumpy staff not really doing the job because they might never come back. Better to shut and reset and reopen with a with a positive mindset. And I think that's a that was a, that was a that was a great story. Um, I I didn't I do think non-verbal language is really important in uh, in leadership though. Uh, we, we once had a um, we had an, a managing director of Ford of Britain who was an appalling leader because he was so egotistical. Um, one of his one of his famous quotes was. He was going to go on stage to present to uh, the dealer body, you know, 400 Ford dealers. And the last thing he said before he went on stage to one of my colleagues, who was another kind of, you know, early 20s graduate trainee type bloke, he said, do my wrists look fat in this suit? And it was just such a, an, a it was a stupid thing to say, but it, but it said everything about him. Yeah. That verbally he was he was showing people that he was a he was a a jodrell banker you know he he, he he wasn't a very strong leadership and he got fired at the end for you know fiddling his expenses because um, he thought he could get away with it because he was important um, and a leader um, so I think that whole non-verbal language is very important and uh, so what is non-verbal language what what is it I think it's, you know, body language. It's how you sit, how you present yourself. It's expression, you know, Dave used the greatest thing. It's your expression on your face and, you know, how you look like that. I think it's, um, you know, how you handle even talking, your tone, the volume, how quickly you talk. You need to be aware of your audience and tailor it to it. So it's not necessarily the words that are coming out, but how the words are coming out sometimes has an impact on people. Right. And I think sometimes uh, one of them that I probably grapple with and struggle with the most is when you're not talking. Mm -hmm. The nonverbal, when not to talk, pause, slow down, control the, the flow by not saying a word. And, um, and it allows you to think about what you are going to say um, as far as nonverbal language and communication uh, as well. You know, it's it's the, the, the moment allowing that uncomfortable moment possibly to pass instead of, you know, jumping in and things like that. That's a, it, it could be so powerful. It's very good. Uh, I, I, I'd like to, I'd like to, I'd like to dovetail that with um, just two alternative thoughts. And so first of all, I would like to invite the listeners to think about using your physiology which is your human physical mass as a tool to enhance your communication and ask yourself the question 
am I connecting the best I can with the person mm -hmm. I'm talking to? And there's a big second condition, right? Let's go soft for a minute. My wife has one of the most expressive faces in the world. At any given moment, you could assume incorrectly that a thought meant a million things, right? And equally, I have a similar problem because I'm 90% of the time looking like this. So you could look at me if you don't know me and assume lots of things too about me looking aggressive. So, and again, they're all assumptions. We know what that means. Mm -hmm. so the condition, the second condition is don't be somebody else's interference intentionally. Right? So, so and, and equally, if you if you focused on building relationship, Kevin, right? So I was thinking about this, listen to Eric and Kurt. Then that person has to filter out the looks that they might be used to seeing that might mean something else that don't. Right? And if you're in a team, I take Kurt, your business, uh, Rick off Business Imbalance, most of the people know each other and have done a decent amount of time. There should be an unwritten agreement or a, or a written agreement that says, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna suggest that Kurt's facial expression means anything unless his words match what he looks like. <laughs> right? And I think I think we've got to cut through some of the nonsense that exists in that spot. Yep. Because there's so much time wasted on I think Kurt thought this by what he was looking like at the time. And none of it's usually true. But both parties, Kevin, have to do it based on relationship first so so i think we've got to we've got to look at this differently because otherwise if you just assessed my facial expressions at any given moment you might think a lot of the time i'm going to hit you right <laughs> but i'm relaxed and i'm very happy yeah i'm yeah. guilty so as charged there's an exception I, I, to this there's an exception to this dave and that's you know if you take somebody like kurt you know luke looks grumpy talks grumpy is grumpy yeah yeah <laughs> <laughs> and then, then it's like you know take me for what i am yeah. That's true. well i think to your point though is because this what we're doing today and i'll call it zoom meetings because that's the generic term anymore on screen meetings lends to that even worse because what you described dave i'm guilty too and you sit here and you're, you're kind of you know you squint and you're trying to see people on the screen and stuff and, and you you know and it's much harder to read that that you know you have to almost uh put the effort in to make sure you don't look grumpy you know yeah. i have to and, and like kevin said for me that's a real difficult task <laughs> yeah it's, you know it's funny i'm thinking of an example where i've been in meetings and that person has that pen and they're sitting there clicking it nonstop. <laughs> to me that impression to me is they're like just when's this over i i, I want to get out of here you know it's it's those kinds of things. You asked Kevin for examples, and that's one that popped in my mind. It's just, yeah, exactly. Check your watch. <laughs> but, you know, all those kinds of things that are it's sending a message. And you just, I, I think what, you know, leaders need to be doing is they just need to think about this kind of stuff. And we don't. We don't take the time necessarily to spend on thinking about our language and what we're saying, what we're um, communicating non-verbally to the rest of the organization. I think that's right. I, I, I mean, you, you hit it earlier on, Kurt. 
when you're talking about basically listening skills. You're not talking, you're but、mm-hmm. listening to what's going on and feeling, you know, getting a, a, the read of the room, feeling the temperature and stuff like that. And、um, and I, and I think Eric, what you just said there was really important. That another key non-verbal leadership skill is reflection. It's just reflecting on what I'm doing and what is my shadow. You know, what is my brand internally? Am I a supportive leader? Am I a, a bossy leader? Am I a grumpy leader? You know, being honest with yourself. I think they're all really important parts of leadership. And if you reflect, I think you improve. But let's turn to verbal leadership.、Um, and、um, I'm going to give you credit, Dave, because in our early days when we first met, you took me through semantic priming. Uh, the use of language and leadership, and I thought it was amazing. So maybe you could just give us a couple of minutes on what that means: semantic priming. So, firstly, semantic、uh, and pr-、uh, is、uh, the meaning of words, symbols, and shapes on, on in terms of language. What you're talking about, Kevin, and priming is preparing the way. So, we very much take an internal look first, and that means. Any human that speaks any language on the planet, doesn't matter where you learnt it, it's learnt and experienced in the same way, and it ultimately comes down to two simple filters: like or dislike. And our self-talk to ourselves is usually some of the worst negative language,、uh, and even if it's mild, right? It's not necessarily about, you know. Berating of oneself—it's actually simple things like "I'm going to find this hard. This is always difficult. I can never do that." It's usually softer stuff that's primed by layer by layer by layer, and how we treat ourselves is often then found in how we are with others, and it's all built on language. And let's let's agree a couple of truisms: great service. So if you're in the service industry. You wouldn't intentionally use poor language, yet people do. If you're in sales, marketing, we said earlier, it's the same. Communication, if you're doing a really good communication to groups or conferences, you would hopefully think about the meaning of your words and your impact. And how we prime ourselves and others, I think, in leadership, is a choice. It's a responsibility. And Kevin, go back one step before I hand it back to you. People talk about how they let these things go in business, with teams and situations. Here's the thing, though: in many parts of their life, they do not. It could be in a romantic setting. It could be with someone you really care about.、It、could be a job interview you really want to get. Now, people have got countless examples. Of doing a really good version of it, and the rest of the time, they slip back into being lazy,、mm-hmm. and and don't give it the concentration and the attention. And here's the the disappointing part: if you master your own internal language, you could just change your life. I think that's a that's a great point, and and I do think you know being positive is teachable. Entirely, you know, w- when you're in a team meeting and somebody is talking about a you know a, a direction that say the company could take, you don't have to say, well, I think that's rubbish. You know, and because because you're you're immediately going into a negative connotation 
which is going to discourage people from volunteering the views in the future. What you could say is, that's a really interesting idea, so you're giving them some credits, and then you could do a pattern interrupt and say, and we could also think about this. Yeah. And, and, and so and, and so there's no negativity in the in the verbal language. So there, there's no emotional you know payoff apart from a positive one. And that can all be taught. And I remember when we went through it, Dave, you, you were giving me examples of, you know, in business discussions, try not to say no or but or however, because they're all negative things. Um, try and focus on words like imagine, you know, which gets the kind of senses and the mind flowing. Imagine if we solved this problem, how good we'd feel. Mm. Imagine if we hit our year-end targets and we all got a bonus. Wouldn't that be fantastic? You know, that, that, that's much different to saying you better hit your targets or you'll be yeah. out, you know, yeah. sort of thing. Yeah. I think, so, yeah. I think to master language, you, you've got to be listening and i think um somebody kevin said it or somebody said it earlier also know your audience who you're talking to you know um uh, eric you see in our industry a lot in the accounting industry yeah. accountants seem to be typical if they're talking to somebody they try to get way too technical they're talking to a client and they start spouting off tax code accounting terms it's like nobody cares they gloss over so if yeah. you really and it seems with your team you know you don't want to speak in higher level than they are and then you just lose them so you have to know who you're speaking to and that's part of your verbal language too and the proper terminology and things like that is <clears throat> so important because you're going to talk, up, you know, way above them, and are and just you, you, your message will never get across. It's like, you know, I, and I've seen that, and I know yeah. again, you've yeah. seen that so often. Your stereotypical, you know, whether it's an engineer, accountant, the, the technical professionals seem to do that. Yeah, to your, to your point, you know, Dave was talking about before we lost them here. Um, you know, listening, and that's important. But I think it's also, to your point, observing, you know, knowing what's going on around you. You know, if, if I'm talking to someone, you just see their eyes start glazing over, you know, whoa, let's back up. Let me put this in simpler terms. Like, you know, just make sure that you're still connecting. It's being aware, to your point, I think is really important. Yeah, and I, I think, think it, using a... Well, the client wants to know is, can you do it? Yeah. Not not what the tax code subsection twenty yeah. two is. Can you do it? Yeah, yeah, and that's that's exactly one hundred percent correct. They don't care how you got there. They just want to know what the result is mm -hmm. and where we're going from here and what's the plan. And that applies to just about anything. You go to the doctor. You really don't need to know and want to know that the the um, the terms you can't understand from uh, anatomy and physiology. You want to know. What's wrong with me? How are we going to fix it? And, and, and that's really, you know, same with engineering, doctors, lawyers, accountants, any, I mean, so many professions that, that just, you know, again, but, but getting that across or even just retail, like Dave talks about retail, you go in, your, your cell phone's broke. Don't tell me the jargon. Can we fix it? Do Can I need a new it? one? Yeah. yeah. Make me make, fix my problem. Solve yeah. my problem. I think I think I think that's right. Um, in the doctor thing, you, you just want to you, you want to you want the answer to two questions: When will it stop hurting? Will I live? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. 
yeah. you know, and I think it's it's fair and depending on the the you know, I mean, just again going to any of these professions or leaders, it, it's not. Um, it's okay to ask. Do you, are, are you okay? You know, you understanding is am yeah. I speaking too general? Am I? Some people want to know more. What some people understand the technical terms, they don't want to hear down here. But that's more of a one-on-one -on -one conversation. When you're speaking to a group, it's like you said, Eric. You gotta, boy, if you're, you gotta be able to watch your audience, read your audience, listen to see, you know, based on the questions they're asking potentially too. You know, if they're asking questions that you're like, geez, I just explained that. Well, as Dave always says, you know, your response, the, the deliverer of the message is responsible for the delivery, or you know, yeah. he says it a lot better and different, different uh, uh, font for later. Yeah. <laughs> Anyway, I think uh, I think we're going to wind this up, guys. Thanks for yeah. your participation. I think this is a, a really important um, uh, topic: the language of leadership. I've actually got a client who's um, is is he's thirty nine. He's a he's a he's an engineer in one of the um, big defense companies, um, and he's looking for some guidance on his career. Um, and we 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 moved him, and he works for Raytheon now in LA. Um, but he's stuck with a coaching program because he wants to learn about leadership. He realizes he's, he's, his attitude is uh, he's got a mind of inquiry. You know, he's not like a, he's not like an engineer who are a bit like accountants in a funny sort of way, guys. That you know, mm -hmm. they're kind of they're kind of technical. Um, uh, he's just inquisitive about language, and he wants to be a leader. Um, and so, you know, I've been coaching him for about a year, and. And they're the sort of clients where you get enormous personal feedback um, from 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 coaching somebody like that. Anyway, we've been talking about the language of leadership, an essential topic which everyone should be um, looking at. Can I give my thanks in this podcast to um, to Eric? Uh, Eric, Swick, your contribution as ever has been fantastic. Oh, thank um, you. Kurt, we don't see enough of you with your non-grumpy face. Come on, come <laughs> up to the plate. I'm hope, hoping to change that. Yeah, and, change. Uh, and and Dave, um, uh, you know, sometimes you drop in, sometimes you drop out, but all your words are pure gold. Thank you for that. So that's the language of leadership in this Consultivation podcast. Thanks all. Thank you. Great to see everyone. Thank you for listening to Consultivations, brought to you by RLC Global, helping you become a best version business. If you want any help from the conversations in the show today, please reach out to info at rlc-global.com and one of our team would be delighted to talk with you. Go to rlcglobal.group for more information and free content designed to help you.